Hi, I'm Hadika and you're listening to How Far in Cosmos. So, no more there. This podcast is going to be all about space and all the mysterious objects in space and how far we as humanity have discovered this never-ending cosmos so let's just get into this by talking about my favorite travel duo the Voyagers 1 and 2 now for those of you that don't know about this mission Voyagers or Voyager mission, it was launched in 1977 and initially it was supposed to be this two planetary mission where probes or spacecraft would fly across Jupiter and Saturn and do some close-up planetary studies of both of these planets. They would essentially go over their atmosphere, record that data and see any sort of changes in their atmosphere or anything that we didn't know and they will record that and they will come back to earth so it was pretty it was pretty standard mission but it was still uh, pretty ambitious because before that we haven't we haven't been that close to both of these giant planets and we know that jupiter is one of the biggest planet in our galaxy so it was quite ambitious in the beginning almost five probes or five spacecrafts were assigned to this project but it sort of cut down to two probes or two spacecrafts that are Voyagers 1 and 2 because of some budgetary problems but it it played out well because both of these probes would be essentially backups of each other so for example if one of the probe gets destroyed because it's a it's a long way to Jupiter and Saturn right so if they get if one of them get destroyed we still have another one as a backup so ambitious plan yes but not entirely undoable and it's pretty defining moment in space travel too because we'll know stuff about these planets that we never knew before now the year is 1977 and these probes are ready to be launched up in space voyager 2 ironically is the first one that's launched and after two weeks of that voyager 1 is launched too now their trajectory is pretty interesting and it's sort of simplistic too obviously not entirely but from the surface it's it's a pretty uh, pretty fascinating event that happened and that sort of facilitated the space travel of both of these probes. So you see once in every 173 or 175 years this event happens when all these planets in the sun's orbit they are aligned in such a way that if one object is moving or moving across one planet the gravity of that planet would push that that object into the direction of the other planet so it's basically like a trampoline you get on it and it just pushes you towards another trampoline now it's not an exactly accurate description of what happens but see it as you move somewhere and they push you to another direction that's your you know second destination so what this does is that you don't use a lot of fuel and your time is also spared and 
that's one of the important things about this particular mission the trajectory was defined well in advance and uh, this event that was happening the scientists made use of that and leveraged that event to facilitate this space travel this entire mission or you'd say these probes were supposed to last just five years this mission would take them around four to five years and then they will come back to earth and that's exactly what they did voyager one since it was on much faster trajectory and if i hadn't explained that before the reason why it's called voyager one is because it was on a faster trajectory and it landed uh not exactly landed that's a mispronunciation but it sort of scouted around jupiter first almost four months before voyager 2 despite being the one that was launched later on and after that it head on to saturn in just two more years so it pretty much completed its entire mission in around four years and then we had voyager 2 that went to jupiter in two years and then and went on to saturn in another two 2.5 years and it completed its entire journey entire mission in 4.5 years so they were pretty much ahead of their time and this was a huge milestone in in space discovery because like i said before this was a very ambitious mission and the fact that both of these probes that they completed that and on time and without any one of them getting destroyed or essentially losing function so they just didn't make this entire mission in record time they also they also discovered or recorded stuff that we never knew before for instance we all know about the giant red spot on jupiter that's like so characteristic of jupiter voyagers were the first one that essentially determined their color and the direction of the entire storm that this red giant red spot is and they also found some significant changes in the atmosphere of jupiter we also knew about a lot of different moons of jupiter that we didn't knew before some of their names being Amelthea, europea and ganymede now one thing about ganymede before this mission we always thought that saturn's moon titan which is also like a super spectacular name was the biggest moon in the entire galaxy of like our galaxy the milky way but it turns out that's not true and the actual bigger titan that's the ganymede ganymede is almost the same size as mercury and almost the half the mass as earth so you can see it's pretty large and we learned about some other moons like one fascinating discovery was the europea another jupiter's moon europea has an underground ocean and it's known to radiate blue light in darkness so it's essentially a blue color in the pictures that we have of europea now to just like go in depth of this underground ocean you have a rock the surface of europea is obviously a rock but underneath that there is there is a huge huge ocean essentially after that surface of moon you have entire ocean and then all the way down there there is the core of moon so pretty fascinating stuff out there but what about saturn 
So in Saturn, we found a lot of colors. The pictures that were taken of Saturn by these voyagers are so fascinating. I would definitely recommend looking them up. But essentially, the atmosphere of Saturn is all basically helium and hydrogen, so it's so toxic. And it's also said that the density of Saturn is so low, it's lower than water. And if you find a lake that's big enough for Saturn, it would basically float in that lake. So it's pretty fascinating. Okay, so with this, the original mission, the two planetary flyby mission, is essentially completed in just 4.5 years. None of the two probes have been damaged, all of them have their functionality, and they are essentially, they have essentially proven that they have a lot of potential. And this ambitious mission is, is done and dusted. So now scientists have two choices. They could either have these probes come back to Earth and we would have a lot of information about our solar system for years to come. Or they could have them fly out and do some more discoveries. And that's exactly what they did. Voyager 2 was sent off to Uranus and Neptune. Now this this entire the second flyby or you can say this detour, this is the this is the first sort of mission that we've ever done so just to give you guys perspective Voyager 2 would be the first human-made object to fly past Uranus and obviously Neptune so that's a great deal and Voyager 1 would sort of leave the solar system and it wouldn't do any more planetary discoveries but it would still do way more discoveries on its own right Voyager 2 discovered some very fascinating things on both of these planets. For instance, in Uranus, we discovered this evidence of boiling ocean of water, and we also discovered around 10 moons, which was great. We never knew about those. And then it head off to Neptune. Now, before heading off there, the scientists did, did have this major course correction of Voyager 2, and it said it was the largest ever course correction midway mid-course of any probe at that time which is something to nod and then it was head off to Neptune. Now its impact on Neptune was the closest it ever did on the previous three planets. It was practically above the clouds on Neptune. Insane and it also discovered six new moons on Neptune and we found abundant methane gas which which is the reason why if you see pictures of Neptune you'll see like a blue appearance. It's because of this uh, methane gas and we also discovered that one of the largest moon on Neptune, the Triton, it has a nitrogen ice volcano. So I'm pretty sure you guys know about nitrogen ice. Now imagine a volcano of that. Insane. And I think it's the, uh, the Triton, the moon, it's probably the coldest known planetary body on, on this entire solar system. So that practically concludes Neptune and Uranus flyby missions of Voyager 2. So after 12 years, this mission, this mega grand planet tour is essentially completed. Voyager 2 went and studied our four major planetary bodies and essentially altered our perception of that. And by this time, it's been 
12 years that they've been in space so much longer than they were initially anticipated to it's pretty apparent like these probes are not gonna come back to earth they are gonna head out even further in the milky milky way and perhaps go towards interstellar space and by this the mission was also the name of the mission was changed to interstellar mission interstellar voyage voyage and it was apparent like these probes they're gonna go even further they just cannot be restricted and they cannot be made to come back to earth by this time the non-essential equipment on these voyagers were were like free like essentially just like one by one, one by one were shutting down and after voyager 2 sort of studied neptune its camera was shut down too that's super unfortunate but on the flip side sort of like a silver lining as you can say when voyager one camera was supposed to shut down one of the scientists that worked on this mission he sort of you know he sort of set forward he sort of like suggested that maybe we could just have before the camera is going to be inevitably going to be shut down can we just have one giant picture of this entire solar system now voyager one was way outside these like planetary like it was way outside our orbit so it could it could take a picture like that and it was accepted and due to that we have this very beautiful image where i think it's super famous too i'm pretty sure you've probably seen that there's this image that shows earth and it's just a tiny blue dot in nothingness and that picture was taken from voyager one before its camera was forever shut down this entire picture it actually took like pictures of like different planets and we just combined them together so we call that this or like like grand solar family portrait or a snapshot so it just sort of reflects what our you know what our solar family is but unfortunately we didn't have mercury and mars in that solar portrait because they were overshadowed by sun's like sun's reflection and their like position in that orbit wasn't wasn't good enough for them to be shown in those pictures but we have pretty much all the planets apart from those two we have venus we have jupiter we have uranus neptune and saturn and then obviously earth that's the blue dot in in practically nothing and it's just insane how small we are as compared to our as compared to everything else so with that this mission is concluded not there is more to come now the year is 1998 the voyager one passes the termination shock that's the end to this solar voyage and the beginning of the interstellar voyage but now mind you it hasn't reached the interstellar space yet there's still heliosheaves to cover and then in 2007 voyager 2 also crosses the termination shock and it's on its way to join its partner its twin voyage in this journey towards the interstellar
in 2012 voyager 2 is dubbed as the ultimate workhorse of nasa because it's, it's the longest operating mission now if you don't remember that voyager 2 was the first one that was launched so it is basically the longest operating mission at that time and obviously today too and it wins that longest workhorse in the history of the nasa award which is not real but it's still something to look up to and in the same same year 2012 voyager 1 becomes the first man-made object to ever enter the interstellar space so it's amazing and it's groundbreaking obviously now it's super fascinating how we knew that we entered interstellar space so when voyager 1 entered interstellar the plasma content that it measured was four times higher than it previously measured and that's that's the first indication that oh my god we finally finally entered interstellar we are past this helio sheet we are past this galaxy it's 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 like outer galaxy now and uh, we also discovered there is this ranking sound that comes from interstellar and our models about magnetic field inter in interstellar were not correct too because what we thought is when you enter interstellar the magnetic magnetic field it just drastically increases but that wasn't the case it's just the plasma in the interstellar space it's so much higher it's so much more concentrated so in 2012 Voyager 1 becomes the first, first human object to enter this space and and it travels across that and then in 2018 Voyager 2 joins its twin in this interstellar voyage for real and it's inside, it's in that interstellar and it becomes the second human made object to travel the interstellar space which is quite freaking if you see the entire landscape of, of the universe interstellar is practically the way to enter new galaxies and it's it's insane and it would probably take it would probably be years and centuries and millennial millenniums for it to basically reach another giant body in this entire universe but it's it's a start and it's the very beginning of that start today it's been 44 years since these probes have been in space and now the interstellar space voyager 2 has around five equipments and voyager 1 has four equipments that uh, that are still still on and are operating the rest of them have been powered off but these probes the energy that they have it's not renewable it's not regeneratable it will die out and expected in that in 2025 their electric power would be like like it would be they would be out of electric power and they would essentially go dark and our contact to them it's only for a short while too we are not we are not going to be long distant companions of these probes in 20 2050 it is expected that their fuel would also also run out so 
they'll be out of fuel they'll be out of electricity but they would still continue this journey even though completely dark even though completely out of fuel and fuel and electricity but they would still continue this vast interstellar space however it would be kind of lonely because it wouldn't be till 40,000 years for Voyager 1 to encounter another star and for Voyager 2 it's even worse because it wouldn't account, encounter any it wouldn't bathe in any star life for another 400,000 years for so after this it's just years of lonely travel and they are kind of far apart from each other too so that doesn't help but there are some good news with these probes and that would be reserved for the end of this episode so there is this very interesting fact about voyagers and it's kind of very futuristic so kudos to whoever came up with this idea but these two voyagers are equipped with a golden record which is mounted in such a way that it's essentially inevitable even if these probes are destroyed by some asteroid or anything in space these two records they would never be destroyed they are just in invincible so these essentially have a message from us the humans of this earth to any other intelligent form in this wide vast universe and it has around 90 minutes of this audio file which is sort of like a memoir of earth itself it's a tribute to earth and what we are as human beings and and like what essentially everything that makes us from the sun setting to baby crying to everything that makes this earth so unique in this entire solar system at least our own and it has a very nice message on top of that too which says that we are just we are just inhabitant of this tiny planet and we are just like trying to find the secrets of space and it's kind of sweet too but sort of grim but in long term you might ask like what's the end of these voices would they just fly in space for eternity the answer is yes actually it's expected that they would they would fly in this nothingness for millions of years even billions of years and they might even see the ultimate collision of andromeda and the milky way they might even see us die they might even outlive this earth so they might be witness of a witness to all of that so these two probes these are going to be unhinged they are just going to fly out and one day they might even see us getting ultimately destroyed and when that happens they would be our last seminar to anyone in space that still exists and they could just learn about that learn about us when we wouldn't even exist so maybe we could have added like a little snippet that maybe if you can't find us we probably our, our planet has probably been destroyed or something like that but there is like a very interesting theory that I heard from somewhere that maybe we we know that 
these parallel universes might exist so maybe we are the one that are getting that golden record like we are the one that get those that capture those probes and get to those golden records and then we are confused as to what the fuck that is because i mean we could be confused that it could be some practical joke from someone from i guess from anybody but that's that's i guess food for thought but that's it with this episode i would see you guys around for another one sometime soon but thanks for sticking sticking around and it was kind of fun for the first time